Aren't there times when you want to talk about everything? Sometimes talking about anything is very therapeutic. And don't forget about talking about, well, nothing. Sometimes it's about just listening to what others have to say. Please join me for my podcast, Yada Yada Yada, a chat about everything, anything, and nothing. It's a great way of knowing about what's not coming next. Hello there, and welcome to Yada Yada Yada, a chat about everything, anything, and nothing. And I am your host, Julie Schrager. And today I am debunking myths. Uh, And what I mean by that is uh, utilizing information that I have found that has helped to debunk myths. And I have had a fun time doing this. Uh, I have to tell you that it took a lot of research. You wouldn't think it would, but it did. It took a lot of research, but it was fascinating to find out many of these myths that were debunked and how they were debunked. Um, One was my favorite, actually. When I get to it, I'll tell you. But um, yeah, I'm really excited and it it's probably myths that you have heard of that you might have always been curious about. These are going to be uh, myths from the physical to the paranormal uh, to actual events that did happen like the escape from Alcatraz. So... Let's just get right into it. All right. The myth that you need to drink at least eight glasses of water every day. You know, I was always curious about that because I wondered, can't you (laughs) overdrink? I mean, what happens when you overdrink? You know, it's just you, you feel full. And then they say, oh, you know, you should be sipping it throughout the day, but whatever. Okay, so the latest that I've heard is that you're really supposed to drink your body weight divided in half. So if you're 100 pounds, you would drink 50 ounces. And so what I found is, you know, it is a struggle uh, to get that last glass of water every day. But I had read, according to the Mayo Clinic, that the amount that you require, require, need daily depends on many different things. First of all, I mean, your overall health uh, really depends on it and the, the level of activity you have. And believe it or not, Mayo Clinics is where you live, that not one single number applies to humans across the board. So there could be people that are actually perfectly hydrated with needing less than the eight glasses that others might need more. So, and I think also depending on where you're living, I live in Florida where it gets very, very hot and you need to stay ultra hydrated all the time, all the time. 
you know, I'll go outside in the summer and I am sweating in under 10 seconds. And that depletes me of, you know, my water. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, they're basically saying it works different for different people. They're not saying that you shouldn't do it, but they're just saying that you, you might not need the eight glasses and that I guess, you know, water is still important. Now, this one's really interesting. <clears throat> Who do you think invented the electric light? Well, I'm thinking Edison, right? Thomas Edison. So although he is known as the, the greatest inventor, he put out, what, like over a thousand patents? And this is, what, over a century later. But he did not invent many of the things that apparently the world is saying he has, including the electric light. It, it didn't even belong to his lab. So it says here that for decades before Edison was born, that an English scientist, uh, Humphrey Davy, he invented something called an arc light. And for years, numerous inventors would, would take his model and basically improve on it. Kind of reminds me of uh, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg taking the idea from the twin brothers from a different college. Anyway, um, the only problem is, is no one inventor <coughs> could have a, a light stay on or glow for more than 12 hours. That was a huge problem. Uh, apparently a filament broke. So Thomas Edison's achievement was finding the right filament that would burn, you know, for days on end. So that was a major achievement, but not the first. So he took part in it, but it wasn't even his idea this whole time. It was not his idea. Ha ha. All right. We're going to get into June 1962 and escape <clears throat> from Alcatraz, or I guess the Alcatraz escape attempt. And this is really cool. So for those of you who do know about it, and for those of you who don't, I am going to tell you what this was about. Um, quite interesting, though, when you hear about <laughs> what the inmates did to attempt to escape, uh, which the, the thing that was really cool about reading this is that I, I don't, I, I don't believe I ever knew all of the little pieces that went along with the escape from Alcatraz. I mean, I knew that there were inmates who tried to escape and they were never found, but I never, I never really knew um, the whole, I guess, thing, which was just kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, apparently, and I was watching this too, um, Mythbusters, they did something, uh, with Escape from Alcatraz and to, to try and debunk the whole thing. Um, and it was really interesting what they kind of came up with. So the story is, is that there were these three inmates 
uh, who wanted to escape. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And they, each of these inmates created a hole. Uh, they created it with spoons through the vent of their cell. And directly on the other side of their cell was an unmonitored walkway that they walked through. And it took them all the way up to the roof. And these inmates, for months and months and months, would travel once they you know, made the complete hole in, in the wall. Uh, they would travel for months at night from their cell up to the roof with all of these supplies to help create a pontoon-type raft for them to escape. And these inmates, they stole raincoats that just went unnoticed uh, to make the journey. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that, that they actually did, you know, build a pontoon just with raincoats. I don't know. So let me, <laughs> I'm fascinated by this, but let me continue. Uh, what makes it interesting though, is while these inmates were on the roof, they had months and months to watch the tides and the currents in the San Francisco Bay, <clears throat> excuse me, at night to study them and figure out a way to escape and survive in this water. So Mythbusters, the show, said that the inmates planned to go north once they got in the water. Okay, so the inmates made their raincoat pontoon and uh, they went up to the roof and they escaped. So the inmates were going north towards Angel Island in California. And Mythbusters used a model of the San Francisco Bay to test their theory of a raft surviving the bay water. So they built this little teeny boat to scale, dropped it in the water of the model, and the tide pushed this little boat to the west. And so Mythbusters said that you know, because of this, they figured it was possible that the inmates knew that this could also happen. So they devised a different plan, Mythbusters. They were thinking if they were going to actually wind up being pushed towards the Golden Gate Bridge, they would have to <clears throat> replan. And therefore, they built a replica pontoon using pretty much the same rubber raincoats um, and contact cement uh, that the inmates used, or I should call them escapees. Um, so they made this pontoon out of raincoats and they were ready. So they, Mythbusters, got into the bay and they wanted to test the theory that these inmates might have survived instead of died because they were never found. So Mythbusters, the, the two guys, well, one of the guys, gets into the pontoon. And every 10 minutes, they had to blow up the pontoon. 
uh, they were losing lots and lots of air and had to go against an aggressive tide, but they did it. They got there. They actually got to the, the um, Golden Gate Bridge. But that means that these three escapees quite possibly did not drown, according to the myth, and made it to the Golden Gate Bridge. But here's the caveat. A, is it true? Did they really make it? And now the second part is, and this, this is something to think about, there was an ore found at Angel Island from a tide brought in from the Golden Gate Bridge. So if the escapees really did drown, how was an ore found at Angel Island? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, there you go. It's really a theory, but it's very questionable. You know, did they make it? Did they die? No one will really ever know. No one will know. But it does make you think about, you know, well, what if this and what if that? It's quite possible that they could have made it. All right. There's that one. Okay. Next myth. So the Great Wall of China is thousands of miles long, about 13,000 miles long. That's like 13 times the distance from Orlando Science Center to the Empire State Building. But is it something that you can view from space? So back in 04, an astronaut, he was determined to get a picture of the Great Wall of China from space. And so he was able to capture the very first picture of the Great Wall from space. So the question really was, you know, can you see the Great Wall of China? Is this a myth? Is this a fact? And he basically said, no, it is a fact because he had a special camera with special lenses. Um, and astronauts have said that when they are in the lower Earth of space, that they have said that they can see cities and dams and uh, major roadways. So why can't they see the Great Wall of China from there? And it's been somewhat proven that it's about color. And the Great Wall is almost the same color as the area surrounding it. And that is why you cannot just see it like cities because it's practically the same color. Interesting, hmm? Okay, this is, this is a good one because who really knows the real answer? I don't. All dinosaurs went extinct by an asteroid that hit the Earth. <laughs> I know you've heard this one before. I mean, did an asteroid really hit Earth and kill the dinosaurs? Well, it did. There was an asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, but apparently it didn't finish the entire job. Um, this asteroid that was called the KT for Tom extinction event. So that happened millions and millions and millions of years ago when it wiped out about 80%, 80% of all plant life and animal life on Earth. And the effects 
were well was a a, a fallout of of winter and it wound up killing uh, what they called tetrapods, which were four-legged animals that weighed over 50 pounds. But apparently there were some species of dinosaurs that did survive and, and eventually evolved into uh, birds that we see today. And, you know, how is this proven? Uh, it's proven because... Uh, there were fossils that were found that are dated past the sedimentary layer of this asteroid event. And that's why scientists say that birds are direct descendants of dinosaurs. But it also led to mammals, not all, but a lot, that um, would evolve into more complex species or larger species um, during the time of large meat-eating lizards. Um, so it's kind of cool to read something like that about you know the ecological niche that transpired through this particular asteroid. I've always known about the asteroid, but the question always was, well, <clears throat> Did it really kill? I mean, I know. What about alligators? They have survived millions and millions and millions of years. Quite incredible, I must say. All right. This is a good one. Now, have many of you watched The Conjuring, the movie? <clears throat> I believe that there was more than one. And the doll Annabelle? <laughs> well, that movie scared the shit out of me. But let's discuss some true facts about the real Annabelle. And yeah, there is a real Annabelle. Did you know that? It wasn't just a movie. All right, so let's get into it. So apparently back in 1970, there was a woman who bought this raggedy doll um, in a secondhand store um, as a Christmas present for her daughter. So her daughter kept this doll on her bed. And apparently one day the daughter brought this doll, Annabelle, to the kitchen. And apparently, oh my God, this is giving me chills. The doll straightened out her arms and put them on the table. <laughs> I mean, that would, that would be it for me. Uh, and apparently the, the daughter and her roommate would come home and find Annabelle on the couch when she was locked in the daughter's room. <sighs> They're saying this is true stuff. <laughs> so how true is it? I mean, I don't know. It's coming from the daughter, coming from the mother. Who really knows if it is true? Uh, and then they talk about how Annabelle um, proved to be a writer, that she would compose cryptic notes on parchment paper. My goodness. So this this daughter decided that maybe she should contact a medium, a psychic. 
and that apparently <laughs> that there was a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle who was slain on the apartment property who took residence inside of the daughter's doll. <laughs> and that apparently this, this doll now felt comfortable with the daughter. So they decided, yeah, there's no harm. Let's, let's just keep Annabelle. She's, you know, she's not doing anything and oh, we feel bad, you know? So <clears throat> the daughter found a note in her apartment um, from her friend. And soon after th this note appeared, um, the daughter's friend had a, a nightmare uh, and woke up feeling like she had been choking. And <laughs> he looked down to find Annabelle crawling up his leg. And then it says that the next day, Lou was attacked, the friend, by a, quote, unforeseen source that left seven distinct claw marks on his chest. Ugh. So after this attack, the daughter went to a priest and she was asking for help. And this is where um, Ed and Lorraine Warren show up. Those are the ones that um, were the ones that were going to help with the exorcism. Um, and their conclusion was that the daughter's doll was not possessed by the ghost of a young girl, but a demon that had its sight set on the daughter's soul. So they called in a priest to perform an exorcism, exorcism on Annabelle. Um, the daughter had asked the Warrens, just take the doll with you. And they did. And they took the back roads back home. And there were repeated troubles with the engine, with the brakes, with the steering. And he doused the doll, Annabelle, with holy water. And then for a while, she behaved like herself. So the, the well, I guess one of the exorcists, Ed Warren, um, told the priest the story and reportedly dismissed Annabelle with, you're just a rag doll. You can't hurt anything. And this is the priest that said that. And he was in a near fatal car wreck on the way home when his brakes failed. He had Annabelle in his car. Sorry, I should mention that. So now Annabelle is in a museum. And apparently one of the visitors opened the box and touched the doll, apparently challenging her to do her worst. And later that day, that, that man died in a motorcycle accident, but his girlfriend survived. Wow.
And then the last part is uh, that the original Annabelle still does reside in the same box in that very same museum I was talking about. It's uh, the Warren's Occult Museum in Connecticut. But it says her sedentary life has not diminished her power and that Annabelle sometimes moves around and growls at unsuspecting visitors. Ay. Come on, guys. That's, I don't know. I do believe that. I do believe that there's some kind of like bigger thing out there than us. I don't know. It's, it's scary to think, but I don't know. Maybe it is true. It's, Unless it's just a myth that they want to keep alive. Who knows? So I'm going to also talk to you about this particular myth about ghosts only coming out at night. Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of reasons that, that ghosts come out at night. Uh, probably because everything is, is dark and everything is quiet. Um, I can also think that it's creepier at night but it's also the best time you know for you to have a night vision camera <laughs> but with ghosts believe it or not you want to chase them it's more effective to do it during the day that's according to paranormal researchers they say because that's when the dead was mostly alive. So think about it. You're alive, you're awake and going during the day. So why would they appear at night? Maybe that's just a movie thing that they've done over the years. All right, let's talk now. Or continue on with the haunting that old buildings are haunted. Old, old buildings. I've heard that. Um, you know, you've got creaky floorboards and old broken down mansions and moldy furniture. And that's how they depict it in Hollywood movies. But they're not saying that it's not true. But they're saying that paranormal evidence is in jails, in, in museums, in cruise liners even on roads and in hospitals and hotels. So they're not saying that just haunted buildings are what you can basically go, go see and chase, but they're saying there's many other places. Like what about the ground that a new building is on, right? Now that building becomes haunted. It doesn't necessarily have to be a death on the property. It says that it's widely accepted in the paranormal community that objects and people themselves can be the focus. Hmm. Okay, so do you believe in Bigfoot? I mean, if Bigfoot, if Bigfoot was in fact true, he... he can't possibly be alive to this day because this myth has been going on forever. But there's a lot of Bigfoot researchers out there that claim that there is 
physical evidence to suggest that Bigfoot does in fact exist. Apparently they've found hair and blood and tracks, but there's a community of scientists who believe in Bigfoot, a.k.a. Sasquatch. Uh, There is a a particular person, aside from Dr. Jane Goodall, um, that are called primatologists. And, you know, they require very specific conditions um, and an effective system of breaking down animal remains. So this is not really anything that's being debunked. It's more that there are people that really believe it, but they really not have found any proof or evidence. So, and there you have it. The top myths of Julie Schrager's yada, yada, yada podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure that there were many myths that you already knew about that were debunked, but it's kind of fascinating in a way, especially the one about Alcatraz. I mean, there really are some very true quote myths that really did happen, but the question is what about the outcome? So anyway, thank you for joining me. Uh, You can find my podcast wherever podcasts uh, can be heard, such as Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, uh, and other platforms. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Yada 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 Podcast. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week.